I am Sarah Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hi friends, happy Friday. I hope your week has treated you well. Today I am diving deep into my journey as a coach and how I started my business and my crazy business journey. But first, today's rose, bud, and thorn. Now, my rose is that I have been extroverting out this week. Like, I've had so many meetings. Summit season is intense. I have like two weeks where I am just back-to-back meetings. And I, it's like a lot, but also it makes me really happy. I get really excited. So that's my rose. My thorn is that I just have been making a lot of decisions. I don't like to make a lot of decisions, but it's just the, tis the season. We're trying to decide if I'm going to keep my office space next year and if it's the right fit for me and all of this good stuff. So I, I don't know. I don't know what I want to do. And my bud is that I get to go to Trader Joe's this weekend and I'm really looking forward to that. I loved my trip last time. I've loved the, the to reap the benefits of having made a Trader Joe's trip. <laughs> so I'm excited about and that, you know, that's just the season to be excited about going to Trader Joe's. Okay. So I actually received a texted in question that spurred today's episode. So that question is, hey, my name is Kelsey, eight wing seven. I heard about your podcast from a friend and I'm enjoying it. Thank you. I have a question for you as a coach. I'm currently studying to get my Enneagram coaching certification and I'm hoping to start up a coaching business when I'm done. The caveat is that I recently quit my job due to pandemic, childcare, and so income in the near future is a factor. I also have an 18 month old and we are moving in May and where we are, the pandemic is still very much real. All of this to ask, what are the realities of starting up a coaching business? What was your experience in terms of marketing, day-to-day, met and unmet expectations, finances, client relations, etc.? I'd love to hear from a coach that isn't involved in the course so I can hear an unbiased viewpoint on the ups and downs of Enneagram coaching. Thanks in advance. I love this question because you're asking like all of the things that you need to know um, and that you really should take into consideration before you start your coaching business. So I'm going to really answer this thoroughly. Like go on, we're going in deep here. Um, I'm going to run through my story. Um, There isn't really a truly simple answer to this for me because my journey as a business owner has been a long and winding one. And so I feel like I can't truly answer it honestly without answering it fully. And that's why this really got its own episode because there's a lot to unpack here. So I started my first business in college. This was a photography business. I studied photojournalism. I thought I was going to do like National Geographic or something along those lines. And then I worked for a newspaper and I realized just how much you have to be places where people don't want you to be and how little you can actually impact what you're experiencing. Meaning as a true photojournalist, you can't really influence the things that you are documenting. And I found that really difficult to do. So I didn't really, at that point, I kind of had an existential crisis. How am I going to use this degree? Why did I study photojournalism if I don't want to be a photojournalist? And I was asked to shoot a friend's wedding and I, I did that and I loved it. And so 
I started shooting weddings at that time. And I did this my last year of college. And then I also did it after college. And after college, I had to a job and my business. So I worked at a coffee shop in the mornings, and then I did my business in the afternoons and on the weekends. Well, about a year after doing that, I applied for a salary job that I thought was like my dream job. I didn't get it. And kind of on the back end of not getting that job, I was like, I'm going to use this as an opportunity to travel. I had always wanted to go to all 50 states, so I made a plan to go to the 48 continental states on a road trip for a year, and I took my photography on the road. So I basically set up a plan to do different photo shoots in different cities around the country. So for, I think it was really ultimately about six to seven months that I traveled full time and just kind of lived in my car, couch surfed, used the website couchsurfing.org, and lived on very, very little income, but was doing photography full time while traveling. Once I kind of settled down again back in North Carolina, where I'm from, I just really took the business full time. I scaled, you know, I started taking on more clients. I was traveling a lot. And after about seven years of underpricing myself and overbooking, I burned out. So I did photography I did wedding photography and portrait photography, and I transitioned that into boudoir photography, which I did for the last several several years of having the photography business. Now, I, I definitely burned out, and I thought like, oh, I just wanna work in coffee again. I love coffee, I loved being a barista, I love seeing people every day. So I took a job at a coffee shop and I ended up actually managing that coffee shop and I found that I was working in the morning at the coffee shop and then working on my business at the night because the coffee shop just couldn't pay me what photography was paying me. So kind of those two salaries combined made a living salary for me, which is like a whole other issue that we should talk about, but not today. Today's not the day. Um, and so from that coffee shop job, I ended up taking a salaried position as a marketing director for a chocolate company. I loved that job. I loved that company. It kind of took in all of my interests, you know, like social media, photography, writing, um, coffee even. Like they did a lot of good coffee. They had really good chocolate. And like the craft chocolate world and the specialty coffee world there's actually a lot of parallel there. If you're really into nerding out over food science, chocolate and coffee are pretty great places to be. So I loved that work. However, it became kind of clear that the upward, like my options were limited in terms of growth and my options were limited in terms of what I would be able to make financially and flexibility wise, just kind of having a boss who determined how much I made wasn't necessarily what I, I didn't really like that feeling. And so I knew I would eventually have to kind of start working for myself again. And I had a really dear friend who was doing social media marketing for his job as well. We both started taking on clients outside of work. So at this point I was doing my salary job, the marketing director, and I was doing photography and I was taking on freelance social media clients at the time, kind of doing it, you know, having my day job and then going home and working kind of two side hustles. 
And he was working full time doing social media marketing for a nonprofit. And then at the in the night he was doing his kind of one-on-one -on -one clients and his personal side hustles as well. So we had lunch one day and realized we would really like to do this together. So we started the company together. And I'm gonna get into how we transitioned from full-time salary into having this company after we hear from today's sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Love Every. Watching the little ones in your life grow and learn is one of the best feelings in the world. But finding toys that help them grow and learn can be kind of challenging. And that's what's led us to Love Every. Love Every is fun, but also it helps your child in their development. Love Every's play kits are designed by experts for your child's developing brain. Each play kit is tailored to your child's exact learning stage, so they have the right toys for the right time, with new play kits delivered every few months that grow with your child. So play kits come with unique one-of-a-kind activities and play things that are built to endure plenty of play. Like this, These are not breaking down anytime soon. And each kit comes with a play guide that's packed with expert tips, ways to play and do it yourself at home activities with the kids you love. Now our kiddo is a little bit older for this, so we were able to send a kid to a friend of ours and their little one for their birthday, and it was such a fun gift idea as well. If you have new parents in your life, I think this is a really fun gift that you can give that keeps giving month after month after month. You can take the guesswork out of your child's play. So choose Love Every today and get free shipping when you sign up to receive your play kids at loveevery.com slash egram. That's L-O-V-E-V-E-R-Y dot com slash egram for free shipping. Loveevery.com slash egram. Thank you, Love Every, for supporting the podcast. Okay, so me and my friend were having lunch. We decided to start a marketing agency together, and this is how we did it. We pulled our clients that we were doing, and we brought them in, kind of, we formed a partnership, and we had monthly contracts going with these clients of ours. And so we compiled them, and then we started seeking out new clients. And, and we did it on a contract basis. So you commit to three to six months to 12 months of us doing your social media for you. And this kind of gave us a, a headway of information in terms of, okay, this is what we have to work with, and we're guaranteed to make this much money every month for the next few months. We also um, both kind of had our individual savings plan for just a backup savings and how we would take care of ourselves if we needed to financially. Now, we ended up ending that partnership because I, quite frankly, hated social media managing. I just um, didn't, I, I'm not that much of a social media person. I know it's my job. And I like, like, it's kind of complicated. Like, I just want to connect with humans and not necessarily market to humans or convince humans to give me their money. You know what I mean? Like, that's not my favorite thing. And doing that for other people is just a really complicated thing. And I'm not even 100% convinced it's an effective thing. Um, 
because people connect to the humans behind it and you have to be willing to get those humans, you have to be really able to be really, really blunt with people about what they need and tell them that they're wrong a lot of the time about what they think they should do on social media, which is hard to do quite and, and pretty emotionally taxing. And uh, it's just a lot. And so we were doing um, social media coaching at this time as well. So we were, we had a lot of one-on-one -on -one clients that we would coach through and that I loved. I loved teaching them strategy, helping them to create a plan for their social media, but running social media for people, not my favorite thing. Now, my friend, he went on to start teaching social media full-time and I started a coaching business teaching burnout recovery and prevention. I had a lot of experience with this and I knew that there was something I wanted to do. So I built out what I called the partnership program. While I was building out the partnership program though, I was I was taking on photography clients. And in this, I did these monthly packages for photography of um, a certain amount a month for a certain amount of months. Like you would commit to three to six to nine months and I would shoot all of your social media content. I did this mostly for product-based businesses, so skincare companies, bloggers who needed things, subscription boxes, things like that. And I would photograph all of their 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 products in every month, and then I would email them over, and then they had content for the month for social media. So I was just doing their photography. I wasn't necessarily doing their social media strategy. They would tell me what they needed shot and I would shoot it. This was a great way for me to build a bridge while I started my coaching business. So this was like a solid source of income built off of the connections that I already had. And then I started my coaching business from there. I built out a similar model where I had several month packages for my business, so for my coaching. So I did what I called the partnership program and they would commit to I think six months at a time and it was a certain amount of money a month. And I just opened applications and took applications here and there. And people paid me, you know, I rose my prices over time. We started pretty low and then I raised them up as I had more experience and became more confident in my skills and had more trainings. And, you know, as I became better, my price increased essentially. And um, then eventually I added in a digital course called Business Bliss, which is all about setting up a business so that you could run your business effectively without as much stress. So I was doing all of this when I found the Enneagram. So I went, during this season, I had, um, I think about 10 people in my partnership program, which was plenty for me to have a solid full-time income. And I found the Enneagram. I started bringing the Enneagram into my coaching business because if you're working with people who are prone to burnout, the Enneagram is an amazing tool because you're getting underneath what it is they're trying to achieve by overworking. Everybody has a different reason that they overwork and the Enneagram gives a ton of information into that. So that was a huge asset. I also started Brave Collective around this time because I wanted kind of a monthly membership program where I could connect to people. We could kind of be a little bit more fluid about what we talked about and retired my online course. And then I got certified and started Enneagram and coffee. I got certified in the Enneagram over um, a course of a few days. Honestly, I did the integrative nine program 
and then well it's like kind of a few days like you do your training and then you have to do like these five case studies and um, that takes some time that that goes on past the training days but I did that program and then I started Enneagram and Coffee which grew really quickly and I started offering one-on-ones just for the Enneagram kind of just going into the Enneagram specifically and um with my community as I was also doing this thing called the incubator at the time which is where people could fly me to them wherever they live in the in the world or you know yeah in the world but mostly you know in in the states and I would work with them for three days to help them start a business or launch a new product or you know get their dream out into the world we would have three days of really intense down-to-the-earth work you know we would brainstorm things. I would help. We would make decisions together. We would make a launch plan, a marketing plan, all of it at one time. We built websites. We built courses out, like all kinds of good stuff. And that though, so in that time, kind of these were the ways that I was building, bringing in income. I also started my merch line then and was still doing Brave Collective. So that's kind of how my income was coming in. I, at the time, also started a second community called Club Enneagram, which many of you have been in, and I loved. I did that for about a year. I also have tried Patreon several times, and it just doesn't seem to work for me for some reason. Um, And Club Enneagram was great, but it was hard to run two membership communities. So I decided to just kind of consolidate and focus my energy on the Brave Collective. Now, I'm still always training on the Enneagram. I will never say my training on the Enneagram is done. So I'm training, taking new workshops, new programs, like every few months to stay connected to the work and to stay informed. So just to be clear, I'm always constantly learning about the Enneagram. So where we're at now is that I mainly do the Brave Collective and then we have the summit every year. And hopefully after quarantine, we can bring the incubator back and I'll still be able to go do those incubators with people in person because that's something that I really enjoy. Now, if I were to do this all over again and say like I'm leaving a job, full-time job for my coaching business without an established audience, this is what I would do. I would do my certification, which it sounds like the, the person who has asked the question is in the process of doing. I would especially do this with a school that has business help. So who offers you support in terms of starting your business. Everybody's not going to be a business expert who teaches the Enneagram and everyone who teaches the Enneagram, you know, and vice versa. So I wouldn't let that be your only source of information for business help, but it is a good place to start. Um, I would immediately, even as I'm in my certification, be generating leads. Leads are simply just people who could potentially be interested in a paid offer, meaning you are meaning you are just collecting names and followers. So maybe people who follow you on Instagram and also people who are giving you their email address so that you can talk to them when you when you offer something new and you can create a more deep connection with them. So in order to do this, you're going to want to invite yourself onto peers, podcasts, Instagram live collaborations things like that. I say peers because you're really looking for people who have a similar audience size to you. You can always shoot your shot, like go big, you know, ask bigger podcasts. 
but honestly, most people are kind of looking for people who are in the same or larger audience sizes them just because it has to be pretty mutually beneficial. You know, if you are having someone on your podcast who has like 200 followers, it's not as beneficial for someone who has like a million subscribers. However, sometimes it's worth it, but sometimes it's just, it's not. You're more likely to get no's. But if you go peer to peer, let's say you have 200 Instagram followers and you reach out to someone else who has 200 Instagram followers and you both are starting businesses, you could do a live collaboration, do go live together, and then you're basically sharing your audience. And that's much more effective than sending out 100 emails to large podcasts and getting one yes. So that's just kind of my recommendation. And then when you go on to these lives or you do these collaborations, have a clear lead generator. I can't teach you about a lead generator right now, but my my friend Amy Porterfield, she does an amazing job of this. So you could go listen to her podcast. She is like the lead queen, but basically just have something that kind of collects their email address and gives them something beneficial so that you can kind of narrow down the people who are actually interested in working with you from all of that effort. You know what I mean? You can go on all these podcasts and all these Instagram lives, but if you don't have a way to collect their information, it's kind of a wasted amount of time. Then, you know, work on your savings if you can. And finally, um, I say when you start your coaching program, you're looking for a certain amount of people for a certain amount of money for a certain amount of months so that you can guarantee your income. So work yourself backwards and don't forget about taxes. So it, let's say you need $1,000 a month. This is obvious, you know, I'm doing easy math. So let's say you need $1,000 a month. Well, you actually need to make about $1,500 for you to have that take home. And then you're gonna have business expenses. So you're really, you're shooting to make about $2,000 a month if you think you need 1,000 to live on. So let's say you're, you make $2,000 a month. So then how many, how much, how many clients do you think you can get Let's say you're like, I feel like I can confidently get five clients. So you have five clients, you need $2,000 a month. So then how much do you need to charge in order for you to make it? You, If you have five clients, then you need to charge $400 a month for your coaching program. And you decide what's in that program. What can you do for $400 a month? You're probably going to want to overgive. So that's something to consider. But maybe you say, okay, we do one meeting a week. We do one meeting every other week. You have Voxer access to me or you can email me or text me, like whatever your personal boundaries are with that. And then every time, you know, let's say you do three-month contracts or six-month contracts, then you kind of lock those contracts in and you do what you got to do until, you know, and then you raise your price the next time you launch. So the other thing that you might want to do is, you know, host a workshop and then invite people from that workshop into your program so that you're kind of further qualifying these people who are coming in to make sure that you're really talking to the people who are most interested in what you have to offer. That's a very quick rundown, but that's essentially what I would do. I would start my lead generation right now, inviting myself into podcasts and Instagram lives with people who have the same size audience as me. I would have a clear way for them to get benefit from me immediately while also exchanging, kind of giving me their email address so that I can email them 
invite them to a workshop, an online workshop that they would be highly interested in that offers them value and also invites them into my coaching program. My coaching program will likely be a three to six month long contract at around $400 a month. Um, if I felt like I could get five people, if I felt like I could get 10 people, I might start as low as $200 a month where we're meeting twice a week, twice a month instead of once a week. Um, but these prices are arbitrary. You have to do the math that's right for your business. We're talking about making $2,000 a month. You probably, I imagine even more than that. I don't know, but you have to do kind of your own math on that. That is my recommendation for just kind of getting that starting point. I want to answer your questions directly though. Okay. So the questions that came in specifically about this, what are the realities of starting up a coaching business? The realities of starting up a coaching business are you need to determine your boundaries way ahead of time because people want to know what your limits are and they trust you when you set expectations and boundaries. They aren't, it's like you're telling them what your hours are. You're telling them how to reach you. You're telling them um, what you do and what you don't do. Also, don't be afraid to have a really specific solution. So the smaller your niche can be, I've always struggled with this, but like the truth is the smaller your niche is and the more specific the problem you solve, the easier it will be for you to get clients. So you could have an, a much smaller audience than I have and have an even more successful coaching business if your solution is clear, meaning you can't just say like, I'm going to teach you the Enneagram. You need to say, we're going to use the Enneagram to solve this specific problem for you. And it's going to take 